Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 205 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. A late March cold snap and the bees are again clustering tightly against sub-zero overnight temperatures. But building colony strength and confinement in the hive is likely to trigger panic among some beekeepers and could lead to the dreaded start of the swarming season. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone, and welcome to another weekend dose of your favourite beekeeping podcast. Well, at least I like to think it's your favourite beekeeping podcast. Episode 205 already. Where has that time gone? I was searching through my YouTube videos a few days ago, trying to find a video that I had produced showing chalk brood for a beekeeper who hadn't seen it before and was worried they had an infection. I found the video and at the same time discovered that I've been posting videos for 10 years now. When I think back to those early videos, it seems such a long time ago, and so much has changed for me as a beekeeper. But I still wake up each morning and feel excited to go to work. How lucky am I? Having said just how lucky I am, I was caught out on Friday morning by the snow showers that swept across Norfolk, some really heavy, windy showers that covered the fields and roads with a fresh covering of snow. Not that it lasted for long, but my timing was absolutely rubbish. But before I go on to tell you about Friday, I need to rewind. Last weekend, I travelled all the way down to the south coast of England, to a place called Bexhill-on-Sea. I travelled down there to collect a cold store, of all things, and I'll explain in a moment. What an incredibly beautiful part of the country it is, I'm ashamed to say it's the first time I've really been south of the M25. Anyway, back to Bexhill on Sea and the coal store. One of my biggest challenges this year, I hope, is going to be managing the extraction process. With so many more colonies, I'm hopeful it will result in many more supers of honey. At least that's the plan. And let's face it, I need the honey production to pay back the cost of buying all of this new equipment that we have. But let's not worry about that right now. The process of honey extraction has, for me, always been fairly straightforward. Clear a boards on, leave overnight, remove the supers the following morning, transport them back to base, spend the day extracting honey, and repeat. But this year, hopefully, we'll have a larger amount of honey in greater numbers of supers, and that needs a little more planning, especially the early season crop of oilseed rape honey. Left overnight, the honey will become more viscous and thus much more difficult to extract from the frames, sometimes causing the comb to fracture and explode out of the frame, resulting in a mess of wax and honey in the extractor that needs cleaning out before it clogs everything up. This is where the cold store comes in. Searching online, as I have been for some time now, I finally found just what I was looking for, 
a second-hand cold room about three metres by two metres in size. Unfortunately, it had a perfectly good chiller unit attached. I really wanted one that had failed, so the cost would be significantly less. But this one was too good an opportunity to pass up. And let's face it, the season will soon be here, so time was running out. The cold room is made up of 80mm thick insulated panels, which slot together to form a room with insulated panels on top and an insulated door. I guess the kind you would find in a butcher's shop or a deli, where foods need to be kept nicely chilled. The plan is to convert it into a warm room by removing the chiller unit and replacing it with a heater and fan to raise the temperature to around 28-30 degrees Celsius and thus keep the supers warm over a couple of days while we extract the honey. Now this is something I've never done before, so it will be a learning curve yet again, but I'm told by other commercial bee farms that the warmth keeps the honey nicely runny so that it extracts quicker and we get more of the honey from the comb compared to cold extracted frames. The new warm room will hold around 150 supers with plenty of room around them for the air to circulate so that no hot spots develop. I don't think we'll need more room than that with the planned extraction process that I've got in mind but it is a modular system so we can expand it if need be. But just going back to the trip to Bexhill on Sea I never did get a chance to see the beach, despite only being a few minutes away, and the trip home was quite eventful with various accidents and diversions along the way. It took the full day, leaving Norwich at 4.30am with my small trailer, and finally getting home around 6.30 in the evening. Perhaps one day I'll make the trip just to sit on the beach. I'm told it's very pretty along the seafront. I also managed to convince the cold room's previous owner to sell me a nearly new 2.5 ton pallet truck at a very nice price. It's the type that you pump up and down to raise. Just last week we put the pallet truck to good use with Steph doing all the work and me offering up the usual advice. Well I call it advice. I'm not sure that my instructions were very well received to be honest so eventually I just kept quiet. Anyway back to the story of Friday morning and the snow. It was then that I decided to bring the trailer with the cold room over to the unit from the grain store. I had the offer of some help to put it together from my brother, but it had to be Friday morning. It just happened to be very cold and very snowy. Leaving the weather out of it, we got the warm room put together in super quick time, and it's another box ticked off the list of jobs to be done. You could almost be forgiven for thinking the weather gods were playing a cruel April Fool's joke last week, but it's not untypical for UK weather to be so changeable at this time of the year. The challenge comes for us beekeepers in managing the colonies through this tricky early part of the season. You'll recall we've had temperatures of nearly 20 degrees Celsius just a week earlier, and bees out flying and foraging, and brood nests growing rapidly. With temperatures plummeting and colonies crowding back into their hives, many will find themselves being overly constrained, and this can be a trigger for early season swarming. A lot of colonies that are currently being left uninspected, and rightly so I would say, will produce queen cells, but they will also be tearing them down and delaying their swarming because of the colder weather. Some, however, will press on regardless, and in a couple of weeks' time, as soon as the weather warms up and before beekeepers have a chance to inspect, they'll be off. Now, I have to say, this is not happening with all colonies, so don't panic just yet. Many will sit quietly, 
developing nicely and won't have any tendency to swarm. But, of course, some will. It's just the nature of the creatures that we manage. For those of you who only have a few colonies, there will be a window of opportunity to have a quick look through the next week or two, perhaps in the early afternoon, once the heat of the sun has warmed the hives. But please do make it a very quick look. It will still be quite chilly and brood can get caught out very quickly and it will take the colonies a while to bring the brood nest back up to a decent working temperature. The good news is that most colonies will continue to develop and build up nicely. Brood will emerge as adult bees and the increase in numbers will help keep the colonies protected from the cold weather. It will all soon change and we'll be back to warming, longer days, glorious conditions for inspecting and of course the sweat will be getting in our eyes once more. So for the moment, don't panic, sit tight and grab an opportunity to have a quick look for signs of swarming when you can and if possible, maybe add a queen excluder and a super to those that are getting quite large to give them a little more space. Changing the topic to the season ahead, and particularly the kit that I'm now using, I wanted to cover off a couple of areas that have been raised recently by beekeepers who've been watching my videos. As I said earlier, we've been posting videos for over 10 years now. That's longer than some YouTube beekeepers have been beekeepers. Anyway, the question was raised as to why I use so many different types of hive and if there was any benefit in that. Well, to answer the second question first, absolutely not. There's no benefit to me at all, really, in terms of making my beekeeping life easier. In fact, having so many different hive types means it gets quite complicated sometimes. If you're just getting started, choose just one type of hive and stick with it. The whole process will be so much simpler for you because of it. The reason we have so many different types of hive is purely to show everyone on video the pros and cons of each one. I can't really comment on something if I've no experience, and so that's why we have them. It can be a bit of a pain, especially when you're working on Langstroth hives and all you have on the truck is national supers, but that's just part of the challenge. For you guys, get one type of hive and stick with it. The other question I had was regarding the increase in the use of plastic in my beekeeping operation and why, when everyone is generally trying to cut back on the use of plastic, I was buying in so much more. Well, it's a question that I battled with for most of last autumn when the opportunity of buying the Technoset hives first arose. The construction is of plastic shells around an insulated core. Everything is pretty much plastic. Floors, pollen traps and roofs. The only thing we have that isn't plastic, I think, are the queen excluders. So here are my reasons for taking on this large quantity of plastic hives. Firstly, the colonies that I'm buying in are all being supplied in these Technoset hives. So that's 50 colonies in 50 plastic hives. The beekeeper that's selling them to me had already got many more of these Technoset hives. And because I'm looking to expand the numbers we have, it made sense to stick with the same hive type in order to make those splits and increases. I've not bought any brand new plastic equipment. This is all second hand, you understand. And I guess if not sold as one block of equipment, might not have been sold at all. And as a result, found its way into some landfill site somewhere. The equipment is generally in very good condition. And as such, I anticipate it lasting for many years. And as I said in my latest video, I expect it will probably outlast me. Now that is a sobering thought. 
I don't think I would have been able to increase the number of colonies and hives I'm now able to move into if I hadn't purchased this second-hand equipment, and this opportunity presented itself at perhaps the right time for me. Finally, to cover off the question of preference, what would I have bought if money was no object, I think I would have continued to develop my honeypaw polyhives. So I think when everything is taken into consideration, I'm making the best of the situation that's available to me, and at least I'm recycling equipment that's already in use, and that to me makes perfect sense. Changing the topic again, I've recently been sent a smart-looking jacket and veil combo from Simon the Beekeeper. They've asked me to try it out for them and to shoot a video showing the pros and cons, something that we'll do as the weather warms up a bit more. I've always felt more secure in a full bee suit, but actually the first proper protective kit that I bought was a jacket and veil, so it's a bit like going back to how I started. Look out for that one in the coming weeks, lots more videos to shoot and share as the weather warms up and we can spend a little more time in the hives. Also, I want to share more videos of the captor lift hive lift as we put it through its paces and of course there's the full range of techno set hives to get my head round. Finally this week I spent a little more time back online checking out social media and my Facebook group Stuart's Beekeeping Basics. This group, you may not know, I set up to offer support and guidance to new beekeepers who had watched my YouTube channel. Amazingly the group was set up in February 2017 and it's still going strong with over 15,500 members. I have to say I'm very grateful to the small group of moderators who help maintain a sense of welcome and order in the group. I really don't like those groups that feel being sarcastic or making jokes at other people's expenses is either the norm or acceptable. So thank you to all of you folk that help maintain a safe place for people to ask beginner beekeeping questions. We also now have group experts as well, beekeepers who are able to offer sensible, practical advice that can be trusted. Again, thank you to all of you that have agreed to support other beekeepers. While I was checking out some of the comments, I discovered a post that said apparently I was becoming a little whingy and talking off-topic. I apologise for that. I hope my moaning and off-topic podcasts haven't put the majority of you off listening to my beekeeping ramblings each week. Certainly, if the numbers are anything to go by, more and more of you are listening in, for which I'm very grateful. And remember, Rory, you don't have to listen to my podcast. Well, that's it for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Beekeeping short and sweet.